Hey girls, it's Kayla and Katrina and Shiloh here, and um, today we are going to be talking about our week, about our week, which is basically um, couch conversations. So we're all going to be talking about our own topic, and um, the main topic will basically be who Jesus is. So for me, what I've been doing um, during the week, I've been just I've been praying and thinking, and. <laughs> Well, because I'm homeschooled, we do some school, so it's not, um, school's not out for us. Um, but what I've really been thinking about this week is who Jesus is. Like, not necessarily who he is. Like, oh, he's my savior, he's my healer, all that stuff. I've been thinking, who is he to me? When I think about Jesus, what do I think about? When I hear the name Jesus, what do I think about? So, girls, when you think of the name Jesus, what do you think of? For me, the first word that comes to mind when I think of Jesus is the word powerful. What about you, Shiloh? When I think of um, Jesus, I think of healer and provider. For me, I just think of, I don't, honestly, I just think of God. And that's it's very simple. Jesus is God and he's your best friend. And for you, for everyone, it's different. For some people, it might be Jesus is the healer so, um, because that was the most impactful moment in their life. So basically, everyone thinks of something different. So this week, I've been thinking about the name Yeshua compared to Jesus and how Jesus' original name in Hebrew was Yeshua. And it's like, it's like um, for, for example, Miriam and Mary. Like, her, her original name was Miriam, but people called her Mary in English. So her, her Hebrew name was Miriam, but her English name was Mary. So there isn't really any right way to call him, but would you prefer being called by your real name or uh, a name that was given to you in a different language? You know what I mean? I call, I call him both, but most of the time I call him Yeshua because that's his real and true name. Here are some testimonies on how Yeshua loves and how he has helped some people. It wasn't until Christy Beam followed the eldest of her three daughters outside that she understood the panic in her voice. I kept saying, where is Annabelle? And I was looking around and then finally at the same time they both pointed to this massive tree and they said she's in the tree. Eight-year-old Annabelle had fallen into a hollowed-out cottonwood tree she and her sister had been climbing and plunged 30 feet to the bottom. Christy called her husband, Kevin, who raced home to try to save his daughter. They wanted more than anything in the world to just reach right down and grab that little girl and, and bring her up into my arms, and it was physically impossible. Meanwhile, Christy called 911. Kevin looked for signs that his daughter was alive. One of the most beautiful moments in my life was she just raised her little left arm and then put it back down. And I knew at that point that she was alive. The volunteer fire department arrived and quickly assessed the situation. We could see her with flashlights enough to, uh, to uh, enough of her body to be able to see that she didn't have any, didn't appear to have any major hemorrhaging. Still, the rescue would take time and extreme caution. Because of the dynamic of the tree, because the tree was rotten, we didn't want to risk cutting anything out because we were afraid things would start falling in on her. As the family looked on, there was only one thing they could do. I just started praying, 
really just crying out, God, please be with her. God, please help her. God, please let her be okay. I remember seeing this little thing that stuck out, like jetted out of the tree. It was kind of like a little step stool. And the whole entire time, I tried to get up to that. I was climbing up, and I didn't quite reach that thing because it was so muddy. I might got a but that I would fall off, and then I would probably hit my head or something and then black out again. Firefighters were finally able to communicate with Annabelle. They created a makeshift harness and lowered it down to her. They set it up in like a pulley, but they made it into a seat for that I had to sit inside and then they would pull me up. I was relieved because I knew, oh, I'm finally going to get out of here. After nearly four hours, rescue workers pulled her out of the tree. I was happy. I was grateful. They got her out. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. She looked perfect. We were all very, very excited and very ecstatic that she was not uh, harmed any worse than she was. No broken bones, no paralysis was nothing short of miraculous. Even the doctors who examined her at the hospital had no explanation why she wasn't severely injured. The doctor said, you know, Mom, um, Jesus must have been with that little girl in that tree because we don't ever have anybody fall 30 feet and not suffer paralysis or broken bones. But they believe there was another miracle that day. Annabelle told her mom that at one point she met Jesus. Whenever I was in that tree, I went to heaven. And I remember it was really bright. And I saw my Mimi who had died a couple of years back. And that's how I knew I was in heaven. And I sat on Jesus' lap, and he said, whenever the firefighters get you out, there will be nothing wrong with you. For several years, Annabelle had been suffering from severe intestinal disorders. She was constantly in pain and in and out of hospitals. Doctors said there was no cure. Her stomach physically could take food in, but it couldn't do anything with it after that. She had some days that she could go out and, and play and, and uh, be like her sisters, and they always were encouraging her. They were probably some of her best medicine. It was probably at least 10 days or more after the accident before I really started to kind of assess the fact that she's never gone this long without hurting. She's never gone this long without having a flare-up of her stomach. Doctors had no answer for why Annabelle showed no signs of her ailments. They started slowly taking her off medications. We dropped one medication after another away, and Annabelle ended up on, she's on zero medications today. She doesn't go to a specialist anymore. She doesn't go to doctors for medication anymore. Um, she's been released. Today, Annabelle is eating well and very active. It was just so much fun. The Beams have learned from their experience that God is always there. They tell the story of Annabelle's journey in the book, Miracles from Heaven. He's powerful and he's amazing and he's big, and, but he's also so tender and so intimate that he knew Annabelle so well and he loved her so much, but he gave her back. I just hope that people who are going through what I did or any hard time of struggling keep faith in God and realize that He's not just forgetting about you and He really does know about you and He really does care and He 
has a plan and you just can't, you have to keep faith in him. Well, I went to church because mom and dad brought me to church and they were awesome, but I can remember being bored. I can remember kind of feeling a general disconnect between uh, what was being said and kind of what was going through my brain. And I couldn't really relate to sort of what was happening around me in a church context. And so, you know, I think eventually if something doesn't really connect with you, if it doesn't really feel relevant, then you just end up kind of walking away. Well, I think there's a, a general need that we all have to be loved and to be accepted and to be affirmed. And I think probably for most of us, we spend most of our life, you know, trying to find that, that place of acceptance. And for me, when I was in grade seven, I had a bit of a crisis point where um, I was bullied for an entire year. You know, that kind of stuff compounds. And, you know, eventually by the time I was in grade eight, grade nine, you know, I was just looking, I was starved for approval. Um, and one of the things that I believed, you know, I think it was just subliminally out there, obviously through the media, was that if I was beautiful, that I would be accepted. And so I developed in grade eight, grade nine, a really severe eating disorder, anorexia. And that was actually in a time where nobody was even talking about it. I didn't even know what anorexia was. It actually developed into bulimia. But it was all on this intense quest for approval, which in some way is just a natural thing. If you don't know God, you're, you're going to look for those, that way to fill that void. And I was definitely throwing all my energy into trying to find some sense of security, you know, and that obviously led to the eating disorder. I hid the eating disorder pretty good uh, for several months, but, you know, I was about five four, five, five, and pretty soon I was pressing 90, 95 pounds. <laughs> so you can only hide that for so long, right? And I began slowing down. I was in a lot of sports and stuff. People began to notice it, like on the ice and on the courts and stuff. And so, you know, eventually people figured it out and started um, contacting my parents. And, uh, you know, after several months, I don't know exactly how long, probably pressing a year, you know, they confronted me. And, you know, I had to be honest and say, yeah, I've been you know, a little bit obsessive about this. And by that point, I was actually already throwing up and binging and purging. Um, so it was pretty out of control and undeniable. By the time I graduated high school, I think I honestly was a walking contradiction because on the outside, I looked really put together. But on the inside, honestly, I, I was a mess. And I knew that something was missing. And I knew that, you know, the lifestyle I was living, especially in, in reference to the eating disorder, it was just a big facade, you know. And, and by the time I was in my first, second year of university, um, you know, all of the securities of living at home, being in a familiar environment, in a small town, you know, I had, you know, everything at that point was kind of stripped away. And I was faced with the reality of who I was underneath my skin. And I knew that underneath my skin, I was um, a person who desperately needed something more. And then there was the dream that I had. You know, when I surrendered my life to Jesus, you know, everything changed. Uh, you know, I stepped out of my old skin into, into this new person reality. I literally became a new person. But the one thing that continued to really harass me, I'll say, or really bind me was the eating disorder. And 
That night when I had the dream, literally um, the father came to me in this dream and he began to speak to me about his plans for my life. I've showed you the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Um, but then he began to speak to me about how if I was truly going to step into everything that he had for me, then I needed to step out of the compromise of going to food for comfort instead of to him. It wasn't until the power of God, and I want to say this, the power of God's truth hit me in that dream encounter where I realized that Jesus had paid the price for my freedom, you know, so that I, I didn't have to. I just had to start walking in it. And so where counselors just couldn't do it, where my own even desire, my own personal willpower, void of God's grace and empowerment, you know, um, just couldn't cut it. You know, the presence of God and the love of God was able to set me free where nothing else could. I hope you enjoyed those little testimonies, and um, I'll give you the link where you can watch some really good ones in the description. Um, but thanks for listening, and I hope you listen to our next one.